This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Let's get right to it because here's where we're at. The Pirates are off to a good start. The Penguins are very close to a bad finish. Tiger's going to miss the cut. Live Golf is going to get the green jacket. The refs suck in every sport. And the Steelers are going to draft Peasy's kid and might trade up to do it. How about Brian Reynolds has four home runs in the Pirates' first six games? I give dude mega credit. He wants that new contract and he wants that opt-out cause. And he's making it hard for the Pirates to not give him what he wants. We got a jam-packed podcast today. So right now, let's go with my top three list. By the way, I don't do a top five list because three is less and thus easier. Duh. Somebody asked me that question. Anyway, here's the top three list. Let's try top three soccer movies. Number one, victory. Sylvester Stallone plays goalie and beats the Nazis. Number two. The match. The Nazis lose a game to a bunch of prisoners and kill everybody. Number three, the damned United. A coach takes over a team he hates and sabotages it till he gets fired about a month into the job. Kind of like Hextall as Penguins GM. Those are three very good movies. And if you ignore the connection between Nazis and soccer, well, it's tough to do because it's a trend, clearly. Will Ferrell did that kitty soccer movie with Robert Duvall, uh, Kicking and Screaming. Not great, which makes it Robert Duvall's only movie that's not great. Uh, I never saw Bender Like Beckham and the Maradona movie and the two Escobars. Those were documentaries, not movies. Let's welcome now my co-host, Tom Offerman. Tom, have you ever seen a soccer movie? Yeah, I have. Kicking and Screaming. I love that movie. I can't believe you don't like the dynamic between Duvall and Mike Ditka in that movie as the neighbors that hate each other. See, I just think Mike Ditka's an ass. Uh, well, there you go, then. Then you wouldn't hate, you wouldn't like that dynamic. Uh, am I right in calling it a kiddie movie? Yeah, it's PG. It's, made, made it's a for movie kids. for kids. That's why I liked it so much, because I was probably like 12 years old when I saw it the first time. Rodney Dangerfield did a soccer movie, too. Ladybugs. Never seen it. Yeah, it's it's of questionable taste, needless to say, with Rodney Dangerfield being a youth soccer coach, and he gets his girlfriend's son to uh, pose as a girl to make his girl's team into this powerhouse. It's like the Bad News Bears formula. Yeah, yeah, you kind the, of. You bring in the ringer like that. But with soccer and a little R-rated stuff. I've also seen a movie called Pele, A, Le- uh, a Legend is Born. It's like a, a dramatized version of him coming up in Brazil in his first World Cup win. Vincent D'Onofrio plays the manager for Brazil's national team. You can't go wrong with Vincent D'Onofrio. Isn't that the guy from Full Metal Jacket? Yeah, exactly. Private Powell? He's, he's in everything. But did you he, don't know he's in everything because he's such a chameleon. Did he shoot Pele at any point? <laughs> he wanted to. You know what he was great at? He was great, uh, unless I misremember, he played Abby Hoffman. The 60s radical 
in a movie called Steal This Movie. Okay. With, with uh, I think, Janine Garofalo as his wife. See, I saw the movie A Trial of the Chicago Five, and Abby Hoffman was played in that. Five, by, it was seven. You're right, seven, sorry. Played by Sasha Baron Cohen, who I know you oh, don't yeah, care for. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie, actually. He's great in that he, role. He is great in that yeah. movie. That's a great, and that's a great story. You know what's funny about him? He's actually almost a better dramatic actor than he is a comedic actor, and I think he's great at both. I know you don't like him much He's a better actor when he has less control over the movie and his character. You're right, like he's just... A part of that movie. It's not his movie. If you let him do too much, he'll do too much. All right, well, I guess we have to talk about sports. So let's talk about the Penguins right now. I'd rather not. I went to Walmart yesterday. How scary was that? (laughs) I saw guys wearing wife beaters, Tom. I think they might actually be wife beaters. But, yeah, let's talk Penguins. Well, now they have four games remaining as we're recording this podcast. The toughest of them is tonight against the Wild. We're recording this on Thursday. I just don't know why you would trust them to make the playoffs now. And now that they don't control their own destiny, it's not as easy as just winning out and you get in. Uh, All year long, they've really been in the driver's seat to get one of these wildcard spots, and they've let you down at every turn. So why should we trust in these last four games that they're going to do something different and win out? I'm already tired of talking about this. I I just I listened to a bunch of Elvis today. Can we talk about Elvis? I wasn't the biggest Elvis fan, though. Yeah, but you're too young. I was too young. You you know, my big. I need to see the movie still. My big regret in my. Music fandom is that I didn't see Zeppelin. That's my single biggest regret. My second is that I never saw Elvis. Yeah, that's a tough one. I should see the movie because that might, you know, inspire me to do some more digging into Elvis and maybe listen to his catalog a little bit based off of the movie. So I should get a look at it. You said it's a great movie, right? It was nominated for Best Picture. It is a great movie. I've read many encounters. I wish this would have been in a movie of when Led Zeppelin met Elvis backstage after an Elvis show. And, uh, and, and like, it was very clear right off the bat that everyone in the room was insane, you know, but, but Elvis maybe even, even, even more so. Okay. Penguins. No, I don't trust them to make the playoffs. I probably never did trust them to make the playoffs, but now that we're within reach of them, not making the playoffs, it seems weird. Don't it after, you know, having made the playoffs for, for 16 straight years, it just seems weird right now that they probably won't. Then again, by the time people hear this, they could be back in the driver's seat. It's that close. It is, and they definitely still could make it, but I'm just, I'm not going to buy into them making it at all. I'm going to say that they won't make it. What about this talking point that a lot of people are going around with? Well, I hope they don't make it so it serves as the wake-up call for this team. Don't you think that wake-up call has already been served, no matter if they get in or not? I I would think so. Uh, You know, in Fenway sports, I mean, it's, it's a bad week when the highlights... Liverpool's nil-nil draw with Chelsea, which nearly had me catatonic. Um, you know, the Red Sox stink. They got swept by the Pirates. Uh, the Penguins are really struggling. Uh, we're going to find out what Fenway Sports Group is made of on a lot of fronts in the very near future. But um, yeah, it's apparent that you can't burn the team down because of all the no-movement clauses. Right. But, but radical change has to be afoot, at least as radical as it can be this offseason. And that's even if they do miss the playoffs. Heck, that's even if they pull off an upset in the first round. And then looking into next year, you know, they have to do all this radical stuff. Hopefully it's a new, it will be a new GM that it will be having to pull off these moves. But look around the East. What teams that are in the playoff picture right now do you really see dropping off that much? And then you have to think about the Buffaloes and the Detroits Ottawa and the too. Ottawas getting better next year. No, no question. You know, I know people who are of the opinion Hextall might be back. I just can't see it. Okay, I've been and hearing Hextall, that too. Hextall has been talking privately that he thinks he's done, and Brian Burke too. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know until it happens. But but um, yeah, they're they're in a bad way. And, and Sullivan's a big problem too. 
I've been talking about that on my radio show. He has them playing a style that the personnel he has can't execute. Like Jeff Petrie's too slow to get to the pinches. POJ's too weak to win the pinches. Ruedel and Friedman just stink. I mean, their defensive core, even when it's not hurt, is pretty much a shambles. So I think you have to take a long, hard look at Sullivan, although he's a Boston guy, which Fenway Sports is going to love, and he signed through 2027 at a pretty big ticket. Then again, you know what people forget about? And I did too. You don't want to pay Sullivan for not working, but he'd be snapped up pretty quick, which would negate his Penguins contract. So if they did fire him, it wouldn't be that big of a financial drain for very long, if it, at all. It wouldn't be, but you are still taking that risk there, though, right? That Sullivan just decides I might take a couple of years off and collect a, a paycheck from the Penguins and then get back into the game in, say, 2025, 2026. Like, it, you're not guaranteed that he's just going to get fired and then have the drive to jump right back into a well, he's bench. Been he's got two cups. He's been, yeah, but that's a long time ago True, now. but still. I, 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 no, no, I don't care anymore. I, I don't. I'm past No, I'm that. saying for him to say, like, I could walk away oh, and take oh, a couple right, of right. days but years off. won a cup, too. Right. No, I'm not saying that for keeping him around here. I'm saying, like, for him to be like, I don't need to take another job right away. I've done all I need to do in the league. It's like I said when, when the Penguins signed Jan Rada and I didn't like it. People were saying, <laughs> well, he has two rings. They go, yeah, so does their stick boy. <laughs> I, I mean, they give the rings to everybody. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, one, I was talking with uh, a Penguins insider this morning, and we were speaking about – Guys like Sam Lafferty and Zach Aston Reese, they're on Toronto's third line now, and they're both in double digits in goals. Sully has a, a, a few weaknesses, and one is if he decides somebody's not any good, that's it for them. You know, they're not going to get back in there, they're not going to get much of a chance, they're not going to get more than the token six minutes. Yeah, you, like it's impossible, you think, for them to, to get higher than that in his mind? Like he's just at that point in his well, career now. Look how long it took Drew O'Connor to even get a jersey, and now that he has one, he plays six minutes most nights. You're right, and he should definitely be playing more. Um, Ryan Paling's a guy, though, that would you say is on the opposite side of that then, that Sullivan's just decided he's liked all along because he keeps seeing his minutes increase, and he's been playing better. Yeah, but 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 Paling and Heinen are, are guys who came in from outside, too. Okay. And they're a little older. Not a lot older, but a little older than O'Connor. Does that fall into his mistrust of maybe using people from the minors now, too? It's because he didn't coach them like he did with Sherry and like he did with Russ before he got the Penguins job. Well, you know who I look at? Like, people, whenever I bring that up, people say, well, look how great Gunsel is and Rust. Okay, yeah, but Scott Wilson played a lot, too. Right. And Tom Kuhnhockel played a lot, too. Let me tell you, Tom Kuhnhockel was a good fourth-line PK kind of agitator guy, he would not get a chance with Mike Sullivan today. Absolutely would not. Now, I know people are starting to think that maybe Hextel will be back. I'm with you. I think you're spot on. He's done after this year. What do you think about the attractive level for the Penguins for a GM outside, though, to take this job? Like, they're not as attractive as they used to be, where you could be like, oh, the big three, Sid's great. I'd love to be a GM for a team with Sid. Like, that's kind of wearing off a little bit, and they're in dire straits. Up until about a year ago. Fenway Sports Group was an attractive company to work for. You know, you know what I mean? Things can change Things in a change hurry. Fast. Um, but I know what you mean. The team's on the downhill slide, and it's not an easy team to fix either. Right. So it, it might not be that attractive. Exactly. So that's what I worry about is the quality of GM that you're bringing in. And, Although and you, you, know, you know what else hurts, too? If you're a GM coming in here, you need to figure this out before you come in here. And then decide whether you really want to come in here. There's too many people you have to listen to once you get here. That's true, too. You really need to think about all aspects of the job and not just take it and then realize them as you're going through the job. I just think that it's going to be hard to land a premier talent maybe just because of the circumstances around the team. But then again, I don't think you can get much worse than Hextall right now. I mean, this this is a travesty uh, what's happening. Uh, he, no GM 
in Penguins history has ever done a worse job. He, the worst in Penguins history. I and like the that. guy with the fish tank and the guy with one eye. I like stamping him that. I, I like giving him that honor as the worst. Penguins and they were both goalies history. too. The guy with the fish tank was a goalie. The guy with one eye was a goalie. Good thing Jim Rutherford was a goalie, too. So yeah, we he, can balance he, that out a little right, bit. Right, right. Although, I, I just posted a blog, if indeed the crack staff here can be bothered to have put it up by now. <laughs> no one's in the building today. Have but you noticed y- that? You know the day that the Penguins hockey really died? The day when it, it took a downhill turn, period? Trade deadline 2018 when they traded for Broussard. Because they brought Broussard in. He, he had the temerity to think he should be a top two-line center, even though we had Sin Gino. Right was always visually and verbally unhappy since the moment he got here. Didn't even last a year. And in return, they gave up Philip Gustafson, who who is second in the league in goals against and save percentage. He's split in time in Minnesota with Flurry right now, but he'll be their number one next year for sure and moving forward and be damn good at it. He should be the Penguins' number one goalie right now. And the draft pick they traded, the first-round pick, got shuffled off to New York, and the Rangers took Ke'Andre Miller, six foot five, top four defenseman. Imagine the Penguins had Philip Gustafson and K. Andre Miller right now. Yeah, exactly. And it, just more examples of, like you've said, when it rains, it pours. Like, almost everything that they do I, I don't blame them Jim for having done that. No, I don't either. Because he's trying to win more, but it just worked out horribly. Just like the Murray Flurry thing worked out horribly. You can have all the best intentions, but it might not turn out. And that's why it kind of does make me smile in a, in a perverse way, because a lot of people were hard on Jim towards the end of his career around Pittsburgh. And, yeah, you're right. He did make some moves that didn't work out. But the dude won two cups for you and, like you said, was still trying to make moves with the thought of trying to win. And now they're stuck with the Hextall period and they didn't know what bad was until this started to come about. Do you think there's any way they sneak in now? Because it could turn on a dime. I mean, yeah. As we talk, it looks like like they won't. I, right. And, and, yeah, I think there is a chance that they can sneak in. But say they do pull off a miracle tonight against Minnesota, and I think it would be a miracle because I think they're going to lose tonight against the Lions. I don't know that it's a miracle. I uh, mean, Minnesota's a good team, but you are playing them at home. Yeah, but the way that they're playing They have a lot just, to play for, though. Minnesota's tied for first in the Central. You want to get out of that Stars matchup, right? Well, well, no, I mean, whoever finishes first doesn't have to play Colorado or, or, Dallas. or Dallas. Right. Whoever finishes first avoids that. Exactly, and I think the wild cards are both beatable, Seattle, Calgary, whoever gets in Winnipeg in the West, so you definitely want to get to the one seat. So that's, And then if you have to win those three games against Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus, how can you put six points in the bank just based on how this team has played all year long? You can't. They'll lose one of those games. Well, then again, they're streaky. What if they get on a hot streak? But yeah, in general, I agree, and I don't think they make it. Well, the only team in Pittsburgh on a hot streak is the Pirates. And they're the, the only team that matters. It's Bucko fever running wild. They're clearly the greatest team ever. But the dirty little secret, Mark, they've played some crap teams to start the season. Well, I don't know that that's a secret. Well, uh, people aren't really know. you know... They're saying how great the Pirates are, and they're not really recognizing that part. You know what I find the most amusing about the Pirates' hot start is the minute they started out good, and we got A.J. Burnett and Russell Martin coming back to throw out the first pitch at the home opener. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I don't know who suggested it, but Burnett and McCutcheon are backing it, having a blackout. Right, like Like the wildcard game. 2013 wildcard game where Cueto dropped the ball. It is amazing how this town clings to Cueto dropping the ball. That moment, as this huge moment, uh, Pittsburgh Dad Jr. Uh, said it's the biggest moment in Pittsburgh sports history. Said it again recently. Okay, it's not even in the top 25. It just isn't. Okay, let's start off real easy. Six Super Bowls, five Stanley Cups, four World Series. Five okay. World Series. Uh, is it five? Five World Series, yeah. You sure about that? 100%. They've won five World oh, Series. Oh, right. 09, 25, 60, 71, 71 79. 79. Which one did I forget? 
Probably 09. Who cares about the Flying Dutchman in that Oh, team? he beat Ty Cobb. Come on. That's big. <laughs> that is big, actually. You're 1925, right. Screw Ty Cobb. 1925, they beat the big train, Walter Johnson. <laughs> Come on. 1960, the biggest upset, arguably, in World Series oh, history, which brings run, me yes. back to my original point. Okay. Like a guy dropping the ball in a wild card game when they didn't win the next round of the playoffs, never won a playoff series since 79, that trumps Bill Mazeroski hitting the only walk-off Game 7 home run in World Series history, and it might be the biggest upset in the Fall Classics history. Yeah, I mean, you got those five World Series wins with the Pirates in that moment. It's not even top 10 in Pirates history, honestly. You could probably get to like 15 and 20 before you'd even think about mentioning in just Pirates history alone. Cueto dropping the ball, it didn't lead to anything. Like they like people like to make it like this immaculate reception moment for the the Pirates, where like this was the starting point for them winning. They still to this day have not won a playoff series since 1979, even after Cueto dropped the ball. So it led to nothing. The team went right back into the tank after three years. That's you know what that is. That's the most overrated moment in Pittsburgh sports history. Yeah, and you can be overrated and still be significant. I think it, that's it what it is. But it's way overrated for people saying that it's the greatest moment ever. Yeah, it's it's nowhere near. Uh, but but then again, I'm not surprised that it was said, and especially not by who said it. Now, um, uh, what about Reynolds? I give him credit. He yeah. you know he's trying to he's trying to shame them into not giving in, into acquiescing to that uh, all his whatever they end up giving him, whether it's more money or the opt out. Do you think they could backtrack and say, okay, no opt out, but we'll give you a bit more money? Of course they could, right? And why wouldn't Reynolds accept something like that? They can do whatever they want. The ball is in the Pirates' court right now. If the deal gets done the second that the Pirates and Nutting decide that the deal gets done, and I think it should be done now, and I know they had this little, oh, we're not going to negotiate past opening day thing. That's BS, especially with the way that well, the Well, they apparently still are. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think put, he's... Put it this way, the negotiations are not yet closed. Right. So I, I would... Whatever it takes, if it's not gonna, if he's not gonna budge on the opt out, whatever, give him the opt out. I mean, he leads the league at home runs right now. I know it's early, but he's got four right out of the. You know gate. what they should do? They should they should cut off negotiations and trade him to the White Sox today. So he's in, he's in the he's on the White Sox roster and in uniform uh, for the home opener. Like Jack the, Parkman in Major League. Too. Exactly, exactly right, <laughs> exactly. That'd be awesome. Okay, what do we got? Five guys. Yeah, let's go to five guys since it's baseball theme. Today's five guys are pitchers in baseball movies. Number five. We have Billy Chapel from Love of the Game. Is that the Costner one? Yes. You don't I, like that movie? Yeah, too syrupy, too corny. I do agree with you that the rom-com part of it and like the love story that he has with the chick, that's just too much. But the baseball parts are great, especially his uh, interaction with John C. Riley as his catcher, Gusinski. Those are great. Yeah, well, John C. Riley's foolproof. You can't, but, you can't fail with but, him. But it, it, it's a Costner movie like so many do that tries too hard. Yeah, he really is the king of ba- sports movies and baseball movies in general. He's the king of movies that try too hard. <laughs> Number four, Eddie Harris, Major League. You no saying Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? And it's based on Gaylord Perry. Really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Gaylord Perry, the uh, Hall of Fame pitcher who was a spitballer. And, and like, if you see pictures <laughs> of Gaylord Perry, they look relatively alike. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely based on Gaylord Perry, right down to the personality. It's very well played, too. By a guy who's, like, in every movie, and I can't think of his name, like, he's he's the irate dad in the foiled assistant coach in Hoosiers. Chelsea oh gosh, Ross. Is right. that his name, Chelsea Ross? You're right about him being in Hoosiers. I yeah. forgot about that. He's just I such, think that's he's his just, name, Chelsea Ross. He's just Eddie Harris for me. Yeah. I mean, typecast forever. He's excellent in that movie. And then in Major League Two, because this guy can't be on your list, they tried to recreate him with Shoop. Remember the lefty? <laughs> and it was awful. It was just yeah. awful. Yeah, he did not make the list. Number three, Scott Nebraska in the scout. Brendan Fraser, Albert Books. I should fire you right now, Steve Nebraska. Steve Nebraska? 
Are you sure? It is Steve Nebraska. Yeah, right. Believe me, I know. You know. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. I don't I've know seen that aired. movie like a dozen, two dozen times. Have you noticed there's been like four straight podcasts where you've threatened to fire me now? I yeah. like that trend. There's nobody else to get. That's that's the problem. Uh, yeah, Steve Nebraska, that's a, that's a great movie for one thing. Well, Albert Brooks. I love yeah. Albert Brooks. And, and, and Brendan Fraser's very good in it, too. Ooh, he's a great, and, he's uh, the best actor now. And Diane Weist is the is the psychiatrist. Number two? Wait, wait, I want to backtrack. You want to go back to the scout? The, the, the best moment of the Steve Nebraska movie, of, of, of the scout, is when um, Al Percolo is the scout. Right, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks is going through Mexico, and he stumbles upon Brendan Fraser <laughs> in his first game. Like, they carry him in on their shoulders, you know, from the outfield. And uh, the crowd's chanting, Nebraska, Nebraska. And he can do everything. He, like, strikes the side out on nine pitches. He hits a home run. This is my favorite part. I'm not sure of the number, but he hits a home run over the 706-foot side, <laughs> which would make it the longest home run ever. And, and Albert Brooks screaming, it's him. I found him. I found Kong. <laughs> right, right, right. With the brass band playing in the background, it's just tremendous. Number two. Ebby Calvin Nuke Lelouch from that, Bull Durham. Solid pick. I love just when he's pitching to Tim Robbins, when he like puts his eyes to the sky when he's in his windup. You know what I mean? He's doing like, Valenzuela. It's, it's amazing. It's perfect. Because Susan Sarandon told him to. Breathe, <laughs> breathe through your eyes. Breathe through your eyes. Yeah, that, that, uh, bet my, fa- my favorite moments in that movie are when, uh, when, uh, Kevin Costner tells the guys what's coming. You know? <laughs> right. Here comes the here comes the number one, and when you speak of me, speak well. Because <laughs> he keeps na- shaking them off, right? Right. Loose, right. You told him what I was going to throw, didn't you? Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and the other one was when he gets caught up in the major leagues, and uh, and and Nuke's dad says, "Let's take a moment for prayer." And Susan Stern goes, "Ah, oh, let's not." <laughs> but you're right. The part two when uh, he betrays him because he's not taking the signs. It's great, and the montage after where he over exaggerates the yes. Right, exactly. You got it, Kevin. It, no it's, problem. It's a, it's a really, and it's a movie where Costner didn't try too hard. Like it's a very and well made movie. One of his best movies. I think it's causing an, an ensemble cast. I I don't think he was going to bigfoot, you know, Tim, Tim Robbins, Robbins and Susan and, Sarandon. Yeah. And number one, I went back to Major League with Ricky Wild thing, Vaughn. Yeah, it has I to mean, be. I mean, he's the number has one to pitcher, be. yeah. Although, although he nearly blew it in Major League Two. He's just not as compelling because he's, you know, has, has the love triangle with the with the uh, well-dressed agent and the school teacher. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just... it worked better as him more as a side character and following Jake Taylor as my the, the main character in the first one and the love interest. I, I, I agree with you there. But it's the best when he's at the dinner scene in Major League and he's in the tie with the cutoff and he just goes, I feel like a banker in this. It's, it's tremendous. <laughs> the whole movie's great. I could watch that movie again and again and again. All right, back to the Pirates, though. What do you think opening weekend crowd's going to be like? They're going to get a, a big number on opening day for sure, just because it's opening day. But do you think it carries over onto the Saturday and the Sunday game? It usually doesn't. Right. Don't forget Sunday's Easter. True. Uh, no, I don't think I think they'll get low crowds. But, but I don't know. Maybe if they win the opener... There is a lot of momentum right now behind them. So maybe people will say on that Saturday night, you know, why not? I'll spend like 10 bucks and go to a bucko game. Because that's the thing. Tickets on the secondary market are still dirt cheap. I'm not ruling out going on Easter. I lied. I'm actually totally ruling that out. But I thought it was kind of the right thing to say. Now, pitch clock with baseball, you like it better. I like I it better. Bryce Harper, did you hear? He made some comments about it. What did he say? Because you knew somebody was going to come out and make comments What did he say? He said he wants his game back. Okay, it's not his game. It's also still the exact same game. But it's not his game. Either way. Okay, if they cut the amount of strikes down to one, you know what I mean? One strike and you're out, it's not his game. It's not for him to decide. We pay him millions I mean, of dollars see, to play. That, that's the whole bitch the players have. It's not about their routine being disrupted. Yep. It's about having ownership of the game. 
And, and at least Harper has the guts to verbalize that. Although I think he's just, I think he's very smart, but I think he's a, I think he's the Aaron Rodgers of baseball. And I don't say that lightly. No, I think so too. And he still hasn't won anything yet. Although it was damn impressive him getting an NL pennant last year with the Philadelphia Phillies. You got to give him credit. He's a great there. player. He's a great player. Um, but he said, you know, a lot of players feel the same way that I do. And I just think it's tough, you know. And, and you know what else? F them, too. They they brought it on themselves. Like, they have no one to blame but themselves with all the BS that they were doing between pitches, spitting, kicking the dirt, calling timeout, adjusting your gloves. Like, if you just didn't do that to the extreme, then this wouldn't have been a problem to address understand. in the first place. I'd like to know specifically. I'd, I'd like to ask him this. How specifically is this taking away from what you prefer to do? And is it negatively affecting your performance? Whereas most of the dopes who write basically, oh, gee, Bryce, really? Let me write that down. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, I love the quote, I want my game back. You said it's not his game, but it's it's the same exact game. There's still 27 outs that you have to record on each side and you play nine innings. Well, it's just the temerity. I, I would guess that Babe Ruth never called it my game. <laughs> and he ain't Babe Ruth. All right, good cop, bad cop today in honor of Masters Weekend, and I do want to touch on some Masters stuff with you to wrap up the podcast. But <laughs> to, to quote Susan Sarandon, oh, uh, let's not. Good cop, bad cop, golfers in movies, good cop, Happy Gilmore. It was between him and Tin Cup, Costner again. This is a very Costner-heavy episode. See, I would say that Costner was more of a baby face than Happy Gilmore. Yeah? Happy Gilmore was kind of like, I mean, he had some heel moments. For sure, but I mean, come on, Shooter McGavin's the ultimate heel. Or you have him as number one? As a bad cop? A bad cop. No, I didn't put him as bad cop. I put Bagger Vance. Have you ever seen that movie, Legend no, of Bagger Vance? No, Terrible. That's why it's the is bad that cop. Will Smith? Will Smith. It's like the fight club of golf movies. Will Smith's like a caddy in Matt Damon's head. Matt Damon's the golfer. Well, he there's, like one, thing, on there's the one thing that made sure I wouldn't be interested in that. And, that and is, that's Will Smith. Will Smith, correct. Yeah. And I don't like Will Smith either anymore. He he really wore on me after that whole Oscar shit. I beat the rush. I never liked him. Yeah, but I mean, what It was ass. okay in Ollie. But what an ass to do that to Chris Rock. So whatever. But Happy Gilmore, for sure, the good cop. And Tin Cup is a more like believable character, of course. Like you could see this guy being like a phenom on the golf course until the end when he just completely blows up. But I like the ending being so unique like that. That he didn't win. Right, exactly. And, and, and not only didn't win, based, just blew up. That's loosely based on Vandeveld, right? The guy who blew up, I, I want to say, at the British Open. Yeah, but I don't think he did it because of pride. <laughs> He just did he it. He just because, did it because he blew up. Yeah. Maybe because he's French, and that's what they do in tight situations. Well, Tiger sucks. That's what I wanted to talk to the Masters okay, about. Okay, do you know the scores? What's he doing as he's we like speak? He's like three over right now, uh, almost done with his first round. He probably won't make the cut today. It's, it's insufferable, too, and I'm a big Tiger fan, but it gets crazy that every time, well, maybe he can win it. Uh, it's Augusta. You know, you never count Tiger out. Especially at Augusta. Yeah, he's won it five times. Let me pause for a second. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're out. Yeah. I just counted him out. I mean, it's just hopeless. He can barely walk the course. Exactly. And that's why he will never string together four rounds of major championship golf again. Let me ask you this. Do you think that they will ever offer him use of a cart so he can continue on the PGA Tour? Which, of course, is against the rules. And remember Jack Nicklaus and, uh, and Arnold Palmer wet their pants when that kid from Stanford, Tigers College teammate Casey Martin, had a disability right. and wanted to use a cart, as if the uh, sacred rules of golf would trump the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know? But do you think they would ever offer that to Tiger, and would he take it? If there was ever a golfer that would get that offer from the PGA, I think it would be Tiger. I think he would take it. Didn't he actually, like, petition for it? I think he No, he no, 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 he did not. He did not? He okay. did not. 
Well, I think he'd take it if they offered it to him, and I think there is a chance that they might. Ultimately, would, I don't think they will. Would golf turn on him? Would golfers turn on him? Would they criticize him if he didn't? Again, he's like the one guy that I think can do it, and they wouldn't just because they revealed I him. think a bunch of golfers would say, now, wait a minute. Can I use a cart? Because if he can use it, why can't everybody? Right, exactly. Like, why can't Brooks Kupka jump in a cart and save some energy between golf shots? Right. It's part of the professional aspect of the game is that you have to walk the sport. You have to be condi- you don't have to be it sounds funny saying you have to be conditioned to play golf, but you do at that level to be able to walk 18 holes for 4 days straight and compete at a high level. I could not walk 18 holes for 4 days straight and that's even taking playing golf out of it. Now when wouldn't- wouldn't it be great if there was just like a line brawl between the live golfers and the PGA golfers? Now that's how you get people to watch. I don't understand why there's animosity, and it seems like it's kind of faded. McElroy used to, you know, get McElroy squeaky really, about it, yeah. but but not so much lately. Um, and and like Kevin Na withdrew because he started out bad and was hurt in the first round, right? And people saying live golfer Kevin Na, right? Because <laughs> he played so bad and got hurt because he. He's on live. live golf. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. So people are going to make it into an issue. I really do hope a live golfer wins. Didn't you say that if a live golfer wins, like all the live golfers, said Greg Norman gonna, said that they're going to celebrate on the 18th green with him. Greg Norman said that. Now the Masters didn't invite Greg Norman, uh, the the, the all time golfing great and and the live commissioner. But I yes. got to say they're not obligated because he never won. Exactly. You know, like Phil Mickelson has done guys who are playing on live force their hand by winning a Dustin Johnson by winning a green jacket. Greg Norman didn't do that. So they have no obligation. Did you see there are three green jackets that have somehow slipped out of Augusta? Because when you win the green jacket, you can keep it for a year. You can, you know, have it at home, but you have to return it. And then it stays in your locker in the champions clubhouse. Okay. And you only wear it when you're there. Yeah. And there are three jackets that somehow escaped. Uh, I'm not sure if they're members. I know I know one was a champions, and and nobody knows you know how they got off the premises because that's they're pretty well monitored. But uh, one was found in a thrift shop in Toronto, a master's <laughs> jacket, and uh, somebody bought it for five bucks and resold it for one hundred thirty nine thousand dollars. And how come that never happens to me? I know. I, I, why don't I ever hit the life lottery like that? It, it's such a shame. That's crazy. I didn't know that they made you keep your winning jacket at their clubhouse. Like, well, no, you get it for a year. Okay, but that's still a little arrogant from golf, right? I mean, I, I, know, won, this, I, want, I want this thing. If I want to experiment sexually while wearing the green yes. jacket, if I want to snort Krell off the buttons, the brass buttons, why can't I do that it, in perpetuity? And you can't fit that into a year a lot of times. There's only 365 days to fit all that stuff in. You need right, more. because they want you to keep golfing, too, which is so annoying. Well, that about wraps it up. It's been everything I hoped it would be, namely 30 minutes long. Uh, We'll do it again next week for Tom Offerman and for the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I am Mark Madden. Drive safely, everybody. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.